If you want to heal a lifelong pattern, begin at the beginning. Hi, I'm Stephen Budden, and this podcast is about birth trauma. Most people don't consider the fact that their lifelong pattern might begin so early to something as indescribable as their own birth. We usually have no conscious memories of this event, and so it makes it seem as though it doesn't have any influence over us. I stumbled upon a path that included a lot of training in birth trauma, which before I'd done that I didn't really realize was a thing, though it's quite an old tradition in the world of psychology. And I experienced firsthand that people do often carry their lifelong patterns incurred at birth <laughs> into their the present moment. And I didn't really realize how profound that could be until I entered the training. So I don't expect most people to either, unless you have some intuitive grasp, you've had some experience of it. It's really hard to find information or details about it. I trained in the Bay Area and there were, there were a few experts in birth trauma that had taught a mentor of mine, Patricia Kramer. And I learned most of what I knew through her and she had studied with William Emerson and we looked at some of his works and his books, which I found pretty fascinating. He was somewhat guarded of the information. Now, what is birth trauma? Well, as you know, I define trauma as anything you're still holding on to. So how can you still be holding on to your birth? Well, for one thing, we live in a world where much of what we do, much of how we live, much of how we interact with others is unnatural. And the beginning of life is also treated as a somewhat unnatural act. You go to the hospital that's meant to treat diseases and you give birth. It's almost as though birth is some sort of disease. You're positioned in such a way that's not anatomically feasible to give birth. Women laying on the back, which is not the most common way. A lot of cultures birth women, women birth on all fours, and even a lot of contemporary practitioners and midwives and such. Usually the woman can choose based on what's most comfortable. However, there are certain positions that put a lot of pressure on the woman. Also, sometimes in the recent past, women were strapped down or their legs were strapped in. There's a lot of sort of <laughs> unnatural ways to make it more convenient to the doctors. I think if we wanted to reform humanity, we would reform the birth process based on natural procedures, based on the intelligence of the woman and the whole uh, wonder that is the human body. The, because we don't often learn how to deal with the stages of birth, they're pushed along unnaturally uh, by pharmaceuticals. If you watch the business of being born, you'll see that the Pitocin is often used to induce labor, and then that induced labor is so powerful and painful that it often leads to a C-section. C-sections are, of course, not natural. They're nice to have in case of an emergency, and they're completely overused. Of course, there's a lot of psychology that goes into birth and birthing. When a woman feels safe, the baby starts to move down. And when a woman feels in danger, it moves up and 
so that the woman would be free to run in nature if needed, or to flee a predator or a threat. So trying to fit this effect into a certain timeline is not beneficial or efficacious, other than the fact that the baby comes out, perhaps it comes out riddled with trauma and drugged up and there's uh, painkillers in the systems. And when I was young, doctors were teaching that breastfeeding was not healthy. We One should use formula to make sure that baby has all the nutrients they need. This is just an absurd concept. Not only are we <laughs> treating birth as unnatural, but the substance that our body makes for the infant as unnatural. And there's not much of a tradition in terms of mothers teaching daughters and a collection of women as in the red tent stories where women talk about birth together and learn about birth together and support each other during those times. This culture in the United States does not have much of that. As I said, you often... A woman is often impregnated and goes to have a baby kind of in secret. And when I went for the relatively recent birth of my daughter, we started at a birth center and then we found out she was breached. So we had to go into a different avenue. And whenever I went to go in with my partner, there were they would interview inside to make sure I wasn't being abusive before they'd let me in. And a lot of these are empowering for the women. They're also somewhat divisive to the family. And I eventually did squeeze my way in to take part in the conversations and about whether to vaccinate, about whether to receive sonograms and some of these tools are useful, as I say. It's a good thing that we did receive a sonogram because the midwives through palpation thought that our daughter was head down, but she was really foot down, and we only found out like a week before she was due, so we had to rush through all these difficult equations. Now, it's funny because there are certain patterns that link to funny as in curious, that there are certain patterns that link to certain effects in the birth as working when I work on the body I feel around the neck and head and memories of birth often arise around the chin and the because the neck and chin often get sort of stuck in the birth canal and we have this pre-conscious memory of being in those moments in those passages the birth passage when treated as natural is something like a spiritual progression from this watery world and this world of safety to this harsh reality. It's something like a mini version of the fall from grace. You leave this idyllic place to come into the real world. And even some of these stories, you can reweave them so that birth is more natural. However, if you get a C-section, you miss out on some of that. So you miss out on some of the, uh, Flora, you don't get the flora, vaginal flora, to kind of inoculate the newborn. And you don't get the first cranial sacral and chiropractic adjustment of passing through the birth canal. And you don't get the 
feeling of having to having moved through your first struggle and made it successfully. There are a lot of pieces about the parents, one being there, one not being there. Stanislav Grof has a whole system of trauma based on his experiences with clients and patients. And he would, if your trauma occurred at the contraction, you'd manifest as a certain set of symptoms or at the expansion, at conception or at release. And there are a lot of meditations you can do to find out which phase you are in. Now, I don't really go right into birth trauma, but if I work with someone long enough, it invariably comes up. What I find beautiful about this process of healing is that if you work on a woman and you're working around the belly and the womb and the pelvis, there's a lot of healing to be done in terms of the culture, the history, traumas, sexual trauma, birth. And there's birth of Birth and motherhood are themes that are archetypal that kind of transcend specific events. So if you start healing around, how was the birth of your daughter? We start healing around that. How was your birth? We start healing around that. And um, these two thread together in profound ways during sessions. We'll, we'll initiate a dialogue with the daughter and it turns out to be a dialogue with the younger self or with the mother. And they're all the same because these are just arising phenomena that are directing us back to our core healing, the core healing that we need the most. You know, they say if your umbilical cord is wrapped around you and that's kind of a messy equation, then you'll you'll manifest something where you're surrounded by like computer cords or cords are scary. And you may have attachment challenges with the mother, attachment issues. Almost everyone thinking about their birth, if you can access it, there's some emotion around it. I've accessed birth memories with men and women, a client who was a male, which was a profound memory for me, was when he kind of regressed into his state in the womb and he had a twin with him and the twin was up against his back and he was so cozy and warm and connected and then that twin died. He remembered that and he just shed tears for hours. Now, do I have to probe and analyze whether that was literally true? In some of the studies I've seen, 70% of conceptions may begin as twins and then one dies off. So we may have this pattern with us where we feel as though we're missing a piece of ourselves because, because we lost our little early twin, might have been our companion in life. And I've certainly had, in working with Constellation, therapy a lot of people come to come up with their memories and hearing stories of their parents and grandparents about being born at a difficult time or a time of war or a time of abuse or a time of uncertainty so they didn't quite want to come out into the world because it didn't feel safe for whatever reason or a disease was plaguing the household or the village and this can all manifest as some sort of just a general fear a lot of these fears manifest as psychological issues and some of them just simple visceral tightening or stored fight and flight trauma, which then manifests as seeing the world as threatening and not quite being able to build up on 
a clear ground because one is still trying to escape threats. A teacher of mine used to say, if you were born via a C-section, then you would sometimes, when the going gets most difficult, you would just reach out for help instead of going through it on your own. You'd want to be kind of airlifted out of there. I was working with an acupuncturist once and she was kind of afraid of pointy things. And I said, that's funny, you became an acupuncturist, right? Because you're always working with needles. And she said, yes, uh, that is true. I learned to heal around it because I found that it was from when I was born, they pulled me out with calipers and I still have this scar. And when you're an infant in the soft, watery, velvet world and a metal sharp apparatus comes at you, it's the first thing you come into contact with. You can imagine that that would be surprising. We like to think that we're so little then, hopefully we don't remember this or that, but as I've said before, all memories, everything we've ever encountered is stored in the cellular tissue. And people, I've touched someone's ribs and they've regressed into sort of a past life memory, you could say, an archetypal memory of that rib being injured. And so the body carries over something through whatever world we're moving through. And even hypnosis, you can see that there's nothing it isn't remember. Even when you're asleep, they do this with like abductees. They hypnotize them and see what they remember, even though they were unconscious. So the body seems to remember there's some sort of faculties of sense where we remember everything. And so how do you clear childhood or birth trauma? How do you clear birth trauma? Well, you, there are a few schools of thought on this. You can just clear the muscle memory somatically. And it's good to do this on actual babies because there's less tissue bound up around and created around that initial pattern. And babies don't necessarily resist the healing. You just kind of work into their joints, work into their bones, move their little limbs around. I've done this a few times. It's very beautiful. And they, they sort of shudder and sometimes cry. And mostly they look at you with these luminous eyes like you're helping them. They somehow know they're still connected to the world of healing and, and wherever they came from. And another way is when people get older, they can kind of do hypnotic regressions into the birth. I've done all kinds of meditations and physical activities, crawling around on the floor as a sperm, because as you go into this, people say there's embryological trauma, there's, you know, past life trauma, there's all kinds of traumas. When I say begin at the beginning, in at the beginning of this podcast, that was kind of in jest because there's no necessary beginning. But it's a convenient starting point for an inquiry into the patterns in our lives, this thing called birth trauma. And a lot of people have outrageous traumas. And other people have more subtle traumas, like you couldn't quite get out and the water broke and your head fell against a bone. And, and that's still, you know, imagine if that's your first experience. We build our life around these experiences. We, we reflect on the world based on our experiences of the world. So if your first experience is X or Y, you can imagine your next one is going to be informed by that. And the next one is going to be informed by those two. And you just kind of build on those initial experiences so that... Some people say like if your mother was super stressed during kind of while the egg was being penetrated by the sperm, that could manifest as some condition and then those cells replicate under while marinating in that stress. And that's certainly all possible. I just find that the best way to heal is to be open to what arises. And that's what this is about because I've seen enough 
experiences with quote unquote birth trauma to, to be open to the potential of that dramatically influencing someone's life. It's not necessarily where I would go first to heal something. If you feel like you, your birth pattern is an overarching theme in your life, you may go back and heal it. Try it in a few different ways. Cranial sacral adjustments can help the subtle movement of the skull and spinal bones and other bones, uh, feeling into the cranial sacral, the cranial tide, as they call it in the Milne school. Or womb surrounds where you kind of reenact your birth surrounded by people. People literally rebirth and you can crawl through a kind of sea of people. They'll mimic what you know about your birth with whatever implements they can find and you kind of relive through it. I've done it and it was quite cathartic. I've done it in various ways. John Upledger, he's a big man. He said he was working with a woman, cranial sacral. And he realized he had to be a cervix, so he had to like hold her up and let her fall down onto him. And that was a way to kind of clear a pattern from birth. Remember, if something's incomplete in life, you want to move back through it. And that's where all these philosophies stem from. You move back through the occasion and the body will move back through the motions it incurred in a pattern of trauma. A lot of times people, after a deep release about a sexual trauma or some other kind of trauma, they'll fall to the floor in kind of a fetal position. And that's when I like to work on some of the birth challenges, birth issues, birth reenactments, whatever's needed. It's not necessarily my forte. And it's interesting because I'm a man. I don't feel like I should focus that much on birth. I just do focus on what arises. I was always the only man in these rebirthing classes surrounded by women because they kind of branched off from what else, what other things I was learning and doing. And because if it's pivotal to healing, then I want to learn about it. That's just how it goes. And since then, and through the birth of my daughter, I've learned that birth is the most natural process in the world. And it's the origin of us all. It should be treated with reverence, understanding. A lot of times we'll shut down ancient teachings that have worked for millennia to implement some new medical model that doesn't work at all. If you look at, so what does work mean? This is a more holistic model. Let's say there's more children born and less children die. That's one definition of work. And it's like this, this process works. And that, that is a feasible definition. However, the medical model doesn't necessarily treat humans as living, breathing souls vibrant with life and imbued with the life force to live out a certain destiny. It doesn't necessarily treat the emotional piece of a being. And it separates that out into some other psychological factions, which don't necessarily treat it either. However, there's another definition of whether this works or not. And that's whether an infant and a mother can be born with minimal trauma so they can go bond and be connected. Trauma really prevents this connection. If a child's born prematurely, or late, or has to be induced, or there's a C-section, or the baby can't latch on. These are all like connective issues, and they all they all amplify the trauma that was the initiation to life. For instance, my daughter was breached, and when we found out she was breached, we went to the hospital. We entered that medical world. That world is fraught with its own risks. It's great for certain kinds of traumas that cannot be solved in other ways, and it's dangerous for most people in most cases. So we had to 
we one isn't allowed to birth in most hospitals, at least where we were in California. You have to get a C-section if your baby is breached because it's too dangerous. Too dangerous for who or what? It's probably liability for the doctors or they're just not trained in it. So they, so it's essentially a form of ignorance or it's just a choice. Maybe they're not trained well enough in it, so it's inconvenient. However, we just drove to another doctor after much, much research and worry and She came out foot first, the natural way, no C-section, and it was a a very smooth birth. So most of what we know, we learn, we have to unlearn, and we unlearn this. It's best to unlearn it proactively instead of when your child is born, you find out they're breached. Oh, is breach? Can that be a thing? Even the birth center wasn't allowed to do breach births without sending them to a hospital. So we talked to some kind of underground midwives and they said, I've done like seven, 69 of these and, you know, we're not allowed to do it now without a doctor. However, someone who's trained in it, it's completely natural. And that's just one example of look at if we would have done the C-section and all the trauma that would have incurred on the infant and the mother and the father, myself. And instead we looked for a way to keep things as natural as possible. And in the business of being born, there's a mother that wants to have a home birth and she ends up going to the hospital because there's some complication. We have to be open to when we do need support. That is fine. It's just I I think people leap to that equation first. Birth is not a disease, so one should not necessarily birth in a hospital. Just because they have the diagnostic tools and the tools for any kind of trauma, that's kind of like you're going into the equation thinking there will likely be trauma, which there is not in most cases in the natural world. Now this could get complicated. We could say like in certain countries, yada, 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 but the U S has a staggeringly bad birth record and infant mortality rate for, for being the most advanced medical technological place there is, or at least among them. So we have to look at that and consider what's going wrong with that. I don't think the powers that be necessarily care. There's a lot of joy around birth. We can find joy however the child is born. I just want to introduce you to this concept of birth trauma so you can think about, was my birth traumatic? It seems like it kind of could have been, or was my mother's or was my sister's? And if the answer is yes, you can go in and process some of that and some of the ways I've outlined or some other ways or some, you know, whatever ways resonate with you. I think coming into the world riddled with trauma makes it hard enough to move forward. It's hard enough without all the trauma. So uh, imagine a world where we were born free. And so that's some food for thought. Again, I'm Stephen Budden, and I'll connect with you again soon.